to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Monday, November 21st, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. And it's a brand new day, a brand new administration, a brand new set of legal states we get to deal with. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being here. I know I've been gone for a while. And yes, Reverend Richard, I am really live. I am back and uh, no worse for wear, but uh, a little bit disappointed in some of the things that are happening in this country. We'll get to all of that coming up here on today's show. But first, let's celebrate. We've got more legality for marijuana in the United States of America and for that matter, the world than ever before. We are winning the war on drugs, even if we might lose a battle here or there. For those of you wondering where I've been, well, we had our marijuana election night in Los Angeles, California. It was uh, a highlight of my career. I was thrilled to be able to do this. And uh, later on in the show, we'll talk a bit about it. Some of the behind the scenes stuff that went on that made it uh, pretty exciting and uh, nail biting from my perspective. For those of you who got to watch or listen to the feed, thanks for joining us on Marijuana Election Night. At least our election was pretty cool. <laughs> it was dampened a little bit when we got done and the folks there in California were watching the returns showing that Donald Trump will be our next president. We'll talk about that on the show today as well. But uh, I'm trying not to let the election of Donald Trump sully my memory of the greatest marijuana election night in history. We went eight for nine, losing only in Arizona. And uh, that's pretty remarkable. The other thing that's pretty remarkable is that all of the states that voted on marijuana, all nine of them, cast more votes in favor of marijuana reform than for any of the presidential candidates. Even Arizona, where it lost... They voted more for legal marijuana than any presidential candidate. And some of those states like North Dakota and Arkansas that passed medical marijuana, states that voted very heavily for Donald Trump, kind of give us a clue that perhaps we are past a partisan point to uh, put an alliterative spin on it. Perhaps we are past a partisan point in America where marijuana is no longer a partisan issue. Perhaps we're to the point now where both parties are going to recognize the legalization of marijuana. At least we got a hope, <laughs> considering what we're getting out of uh, the Trump administration transition team and some of their nominations. Let's get down to what we're going to talk about on the show today. Of course, we start with our cannabis radio news. And uh, we'll run down some of the headlines that we've missed over the past couple of weeks. I just got back from the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference down in Ashland, Oregon. Uh, Ed Rosenthal did a keynote speech. Tommy Chong did an extended interview. And Rob Patridge, the head of the OLCC that regulates marijuana here in the state of Oregon, he spoke as well. Plus, there were uh, presentations on branding and trademarking, intellectual property, taxes, packaging, labeling, testing, 
Everything you'd want to know, uh, they went over it there in Ashland. So we'll talk about that in hour two. Also on the show, in Behind the Headlines, we'll talk about the Trump nomination of Senator Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions as a potential attorney general. I thought I had a nightmare with Chris Christie as attorney general. Turns out I, I'm not thinking uh, quite darkly enough. In our drug war data mining, we'll look at marijuana election night and give you some of the details, the statistics, the final results from the election. In government at work, we'll talk about weeds nightmare scenario and and how states' rights could be upheld to our detriment. I'll tell you how that works out. In our radical rant, I want to tell you the story of a man named Chijioki Stephen Obioa, who died on Friday. And in an hour or two, we'll take your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. It's time to Hemp Resent with Anadina Stanger. I say to you with all the fervor of my soul that God intended men to be free. Rebellion against tyranny is a righteous cause. And I believe that with every ounce of my soul, we are fighting a righteous cause because people need nature. Marijuana! Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet sativa! You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, November 21st, 2016. Cannabis won big in the U.S. elections, with eight out of nine states succeeding at passage of significant marijuana reforms. California, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maine all passed initiatives to legalize the adult personal use of marijuana, with California setting the new record high for such votes at 56.2%. Florida, Arkansas, and North Dakota all moved to protect the medical use of marijuana under a doctor's recommendation while Montana voted to expand its medical marijuana program to include dispensary sales. Only Arizona's attempt to legalize adult personal use failed to pass, with just 48% support. 
With these wins, one in five Americans now lives in a legal marijuana state, and another two in five live where medical marijuana use is protected. Police departments are relaxing age-old standards for accepting recruits, from lowering educational requirements to forgiving some prior drug use to try to attract more people to their ranks. The changes are designed to deal with decreased interest in a job that offers low pay, rigorous physical demands, and the possibility of getting killed on duty, all while under intense public scrutiny. There's also the question of how to encourage more minorities to become police officers. There's no national standard for becoming an officer. It's left up to each state to set requirements. In general, prior drug use or past brushes with the law, however minor, have been enough to bar someone from becoming an officer. Amid the push to diversify, many police departments question whether those long-held military-style standards are the best ways to attract officers able to relate to communities and diffuse tensions. Some 30 countries and cities in Oregon approved some type of marijuana businesses in the election, and officials in those communities must now establish rules for every step in the production and supply chain. When voters legalized recreational marijuana statewide two years ago, the communities, from the cowboy town of Pendleton to Sweet Home in the Willamette Valley, opted out. But many switched it up this month, voting to allow at least some form of the pot industry, including medical marijuana. Local officials must determine operating hours for marijuana retailers, growing farms, and processors. They also were trying to figure out whether the businesses should be allowed near parks and what sort of security and odor controls the businesses must provide. Opponents of a state ruling that would prevent bars and many restaurants in Denver from offering on-site marijuana consumption said the ruling would overturn a law approved by voters and force people to sneak around while they use pot and consume alcohol. The new rule announced Friday bars liquor license holders from applying for a permit to allow the consumption of pot. The Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment said using alcohol and marijuana together increases impairment. Mason Tavert, a spokesman for the National Marijuana Policy Project, said the measure approved by voters this month would allow servers to keep track of customers who drink and consume pot products instead of forcing them to go outside or hide behind closed doors. Tavert said the ruling was pushed by the liquor industry trying to protect its turf because they wanted people drinking alcohol and not using other products. The liquor industry and other groups, including Mothers Against Drunk Driving, expressed concerns over safety and liability. <laughs> Cannabis sales in Colorado set a new record for the third straight month, while sales in Washington have also reached new heights. Colorado marijuana shops in September reeled in $127.8 million in sales of medical and recreational cannabis. So far this year, sales have topped $974.3 million in nine months, about $22 million shy of the $996.2 million revenue totaled for the entirety of 2015. The September 2016 sales generated about $19.2 million in tax revenue for the state, bringing the year-to-date total for taxes and licensing fees to $144.2 million. Also new for 2016 was the implementation of a new law that increased the daily purchase limit for non-residents to one ounce, up from a quarter ounce. That law took effect in June. In Washington state, sales of marijuana products have for the first time surpassed $200 million in a quarter. In July, the state closed medical marijuana shops, making all sales go through recreational storefronts. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, November 21st, 2016. I'm Russ Belleville. We don't limit how much you smoke. 
and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at the controversial nomination of Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, the Alabama senator who Donald Trump has tapped to become the next attorney general. Now, if you don't follow politics too closely, let me give you some insight as to the positions of Alabama Senator Jeff Sessions. This guy could probably be the worst attorney general we could have picked. I know we've been uh, looking at the possibility of an attorney general, Chris Christie, or an attorney general, Rudy Giuliani. I didn't even stop to think of an attorney general, Jeff Sessions, and that guy trumps pardon the pun, either one of those other two choices. Uh, Jeff Sessions is probably the worst choice we could have. John Hudak uh, from the Brookings Institute, a frequent guest on our show, is quoted as saying it should scare the hell out of the marijuana industry, end quote. Uh, looking back at Sessions' record, we don't have to look too far back to get some clues as to how he might be as attorney general. The U.S. Senate Drug Caucus had a hearing in April about the Justice Department and the Cole memo and the lax enforcement of federal marijuana laws when it comes to Colorado and Washington state. Uh, Republicans, conservatives and social uh, folks that are opposed to marijuana legalization uh, have called hearings like this to lambaste the Justice Department for turning a blind eye to marijuana legalization, for not enforcing federal laws. And Jeff Sessions stood and spoke to that by saying, quote, We need grown-ups in charge of Washington to say that marijuana is not the kind of thing that ought to be legalized. It ought not to be minimized. That it's in fact a very real danger. To give that away and make it socially acceptable creates the demand, increased demand that results in people being addicted 
or impacted adversely, end quote. Grownups need grownups in charge because allowing marijuana to be legally bought and sold is somehow juvenile to Jeff Sessions. He somehow thinks that making it legal increases the demand for cannabis, which it uh, increases the availability, but not the demand. People have wanted cannabis for centuries now. And this idea that it's a real danger. He he listed all these stats on accidents and traffic fatalities, which we have debunked so many times on this show. The statistics that rely on the marijuana in someone's system, which all tells us that they are marijuana consumers, not that they were impaired, not that they were high at the time, not that the marijuana caused the accident in any way. Hell, doesn't even tell us these folks were necessarily the driver at the time. But they use these statistics to try to scare people who don't know too much about the issue. Another comment that we got from uh, Jeff Sessions was one where he said that good people don't smoke marijuana. Good people don't smoke marijuana. That's the guy who's going to be the attorney general in charge of the Department of Justice, the department that issued the Cole memo, the Cole memo that says to the federal government, hey, let's not use our scarce resources busting state legal marijuana. Folks, that's just a memo. The next Justice Department can rescind that memo at any time. And you can bet that's something Jeff Sessions would probably do. Now, looking farther back, farther back in time, Jeff Sessions was once running or was once nominated uh, to become a federal judge. This was back in 1986 when Boise State first put in the blue turf, trivia buffs, uh, President Ronald Reagan nominated him for a federal judge position. The Republican-controlled Senate Judiciary Committee at the time rejected his nomination because of his history of racially charged comments and actions. At the time that Sessions was rejected, He was one of only two judicial nominees who'd ever been rejected in half a century. That's how this guy was so racist or appeared to be so racist. A Republican controlled committee rejected him. Now, in that testimony, and there was a there's a great excerpt between him and then Senator Joe Biden, uh, Former colleagues said Mr. Sessions had referred to the NAACP, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, and other civil rights groups as, quote, un-American and, quote, communist-inspired, end quote. A African-American federal prosecutor back then, a fellow by the name of Tom Figures, testified that Sessions had once referred to him as boy and testified that Sessions said, The Ku Klux Klan was fine, quote, until I found out they smoked pot, end quote. Now, Sessions, Sessions said that was a joke. He's just joking about that. And and you can kind of understand the absurdity of such a joke. I thought the KKK was okay until I found out they were pot smokers. You know, being absurd, of course, because the KKK terrorizes people and burns crosses and lynches people. Right. You can see the absurdity, but consider the context. The context of that joke and the talking about the KKK at the time, as Senator Biden brought up, the context was that a man had just been lynched, that a black man had just been lynched. So, yeah, it might have been a joke, but there is the concept of too soon or 
out of you know bad taste, even if it was just a joke. So here's someone that Republicans would not approve as a federal judge because he's too racist. But now I spent the last two years of high school in a daze. But now we get to have this guy as attorney general. It's like I told you, folks, it's not Donald Trump you have to worry about. It's the people Donald Trump will put in charge because Donald Trump ain't going to be doing much. Donald Trump's going to be flitting back and forth from Washington to New York. And all these people he put in charge, those are the ones that are going to run our lives, folks. And it's not looking pretty. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. Author Catherine Hiller and her great new book, Just Say Yes, Marijuana Memoir. So I love the way you use time in the memoir. I started it at the present time, and I described a visit to my dealer. And then I would go backward in time so that every chapter starts a little bit earlier. I do not feel that marijuana has in any way harmed my life. It certainly hasn't led me to the streets. It's led me to a more joyful life experience. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show. Where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Mines, we want to talk about the results of Marijuana Election Night 2016. We'll get to the states. Real quick, though, I want to talk a little bit about some of the smaller elections that happened. And unfortunately, on our live coverage, we weren't able to bring you these results the citywide votes that happened in Ohio went four for five. 
And these were votes to depenalize up to 200 grams of marijuana. 200 grams, folks, that's up to just about seven ounces, a little over seven ounces of marijuana. And it's been reported in some outlets as a decrim measure, that they decriminalized marijuana, but they didn't do that. So let's get the the, the, the versions here straight. Let's get the uh, the definitions straight. Decriminalization is when the act is no longer criminal, but it could still be punished civilly. For example, uh, decriminalization where you're caught, they confiscate your weed, you get a $100 ticket, but you don't get a criminal record. That's decrim, folks. Decrim generally means no arrest, no criminal record, but you could still be fined or punished or ticketed. Depenalization is where you can't be penalized or, or the penalty is reduced, but it's still a crime. You still have a criminal record. So what happened in these Ohio cities is depenalization. And I forget the names of all of them, but the, there were five cities that were voting on this. Toledo already passed it a year ago. And what they did is they depenalized under city code up to 200 grams possession, meaning it's still a minor misdemeanor. So it's still a crime to get caught with weed up to seven ounces. But the mandated fine is zero dollars and the mandated jail term is zero days and you can't be arrested. So there's no arrest and there's no punishment, but there's still a crime and that crime stays on your record and can be problematic if you're trying to get jobs and security clearances and so on. Still, in a functional sense, what it means is that cops aren't bothering with weed possession much because there's not much benefit for them. In doing so. Now, one of these cities, Newark, has already said it's it's uh, police supervisors and such have already said they're not going to obey the depenalization. They're going to keep charging people under Ohio state law. Well, under Ohio state law, it's decriminalized up to 100 grams. There's no arrest. There's no criminal record. And it's just a hundred dollar fine. So up to three and a half ounces will still be good. Anyway, it's good to note that we got four out of five passage in these local measures because a lot of you know, activists want to jump right to a statewide initiative all the time. They want to jump right to a state medical marijuana or a state decrim or something. Pass these local things first. Get a whole bunch of local wins under your belt. Then you've sowed the seeds that you need to pass something statewide. That's the way you did it in Massachusetts. Passed a lot of state or a citywide uh, public policy questions. Colorado, you know, Denver passed a few things uh, in, in Washington state. Seattle passed the lowest law enforcement priority, etc. So think local and then work your way up to the statewide. Now, speaking of the statewide, the wins, of course, that we got were in California, Maine, Massachusetts and Nevada. Officials in Maine are currently recounting. Uh, the win there was 50.2 percent and the opponents wanted a recount. And it's going to cost about a half million dollars for the taxpayers to discover once again that Maine legalized marijuana. So good on you, I guess. Uh, it's democracy, folks. If they want to call for a recount, that's fine. I'm not, I'm really not even lamenting the taxpayer money being spent on it because to me, that's not a waste. It's not a waste to have a vibrant democracy. But the uh, big winner, of course, California coming in at 56.2% blew away Oregon's 56.11%. Beat our record. Although Anthony Johnson this weekend told me we still hold the, the record for a midterm election. So I think that's, that's a fair thing to say. 
Uh, also, Nevada and Massachusetts uh, got passage there. In the state of Massachusetts, though, the Boston Globe is already suggesting to the legislature that they undo a lot of what they passed. They went, they said, oh, well, uh, they passed it with home grow. Let's take home grow away. That would be bad. Oh, they, they passed it with uh, uh, the lowest taxes of the nation. Oh, that would be bad. Let's double them. <laughs> so, and, and the Boston Globe says there's a lot of things a legislature could do to fix this bad pot law that wouldn't undermine the will of the people. Well, yeah, you're undermining the will of the people. The other thing they want to do in, in uh, Massachusetts is Massachusetts gave all the cities the right to have pot licenses, except a city might vote to opt out. They want to reverse that. They want it to be that pot license are banned in every city unless a city votes to opt in. It's amazing how little these people cared about the intricacies of marijuana reform when it was completely prohibited. But once we pass it, oh boy, they got all sorts of ideas about how it should be treated now. Folks, the will of the people was to pass question four the way it was written. It's not as if the people will just pass any old pot initiative. We saw them reject Ohio issue three. We saw them reject uh, Oregon measure uh, uh, 80. We saw them reject Prop 19. If the people don't like an initiative, they'll reject it. This this damn infantilization, this paternal instinct that some of these officials and, and, and editorial boards have over the voters. Oh, the voters can't possibly know what they voted for. What the hell? They don't know what they're doing. This has got to end. Now, of course, in the medical side, we got four for four. Uh, I was stunned by this, too. I was predicting that we'd go four for five in the legal ones. I, I accurately predicted the legal states. I predicted Arizona would lose. But I only predicted Florida would win in the medical. Uh, I didn't think we would get medical marijuana in North Dakota, especially one that allows some home grow. It passed like two-thirds of the vote, almost. And Arkansas passed. It was a close one, but they passed as well. And Montana voted to increase its medical marijuana program. We now have one out of five people living in a legal state and three out of five people living in a medical state. There's only six states left that have absolute marijuana prohibition. Idaho, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Indiana, and West Virginia. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. 
Okay. Maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. Today in Government at Work, I want to talk more about the impact of the 2016 presidential election. Leading up to it, uh, there was a lot of debate about which of the candidates would be best for the marijuana industry, who would be best for marijuana reform. And, of course, the best candidates for the marijuana industry were Jill Stein and Gary Johnson, who combined didn't even get 5% of the vote, as I predicted. So the realistic candidates, the ones who actually had a snowball's chance in hell to become president, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, we had to discuss who would be better for the marijuana industry. And I had numbers of people telling me that Trump would be better for the marijuana industry. And they, and they pointed to a few things. They would say, number one, look at that statement Hillary Clinton made to Goldman Sachs. She was behind closed doors with Goldman Sachs and asked if she would sell short on legalization. She said short in every respect of the word. Clearly, Hillary Clinton would be bad for the marijuana industry. They also pointed to her ties to the pharmaceutical industry and to big donors that might want to turn marijuana over to the pharmaceuticals. And that would be bad. On the other side, the people that were trying to convince me that Donald Trump would be good for the marijuana industry, people like Roseanne Barr, uh, were telling me that Trump's all about states' rights. Trump has said that he loves medical marijuana, 100% in favor of it. And as far as Colorado and Washington, states that have legalized, he's for states' rights, laboratories of democracy, let them do their thing. And I was also told that Mr. Trump's a businessman. Surely he could see the green rush and the billions of dollars and the entrepreneurial spirit that would be going on in the marijuana industry. And that would be good, right? That's what I was told. So Trump gets elected. And what are some of the first things he does? He appoints Jeff Sessions as the attorney general. Now, in my nightmare, I had I had been worried about Rudy Giuliani as an attorney general or Chris Christie as an attorney general. But Jeff Sessions goes way beyond my nightmare capabilities. We already discussed some of his opinions that good people don't smoke pot. The Klan was OK until he learned they were pot smokers and. And so forth. That letting legalization run rampant throughout the states. We need to put the adults in charge. We need to show, send a message to the kids. He's, Jeff Sessions is as hard line, old school drug warrior as still exists in this country. So that's the first thing we get. And then as I continue to see more of these appointments, 
I continue to imagine just how bad it could get. First of all, we already talked about how the Cole memo is the only thing that's allowing the state legal met, uh, marijuana commerce to commence. Up until the Cole memo happened, people wanted to jump in the pool, wanted to get in the green rush, were terrified they'd get raided, indicted, audited by the feds. Their life would be a living hell. Cole memo comes out. Green light, we're not going to mess with you as long as you obey the laws. Boom, we get a green rush. That Cole memo could be rescinded on January 21st. The day after the inauguration, we could have no more Cole memo. And imagine all the other positions that are going to get filled up here in the next few months. And keep in mind that the chief strategist helping out with this is Steve Bannon, former Breitbart guy. And imagine who he's going to pick for head of the DEA or the drug czar. Can you see a drug czar, Kevin Sabet? I can. I can so clearly imagine that happening. A drug czar, Kevin Sabet, pushing all around the country to the legislatures out there that have states that have initiative power. I can just imagine Kevin Sabet going to them. Telling them that medical marijuana, if we don't do something about it in the legislature, my goodness, they're going to they're going to pass something we don't like. Call it Operation Ohio. Right. Like issue three failed in Ohio and then MPP tried to do a medical initiative and then the Ohio legislature passed a shitty medical marijuana law to undercut it. That's what's going to happen across all the rest of the remaining initiative states where medical marijuana might have a chance to pass. Watch it get. It's legs cut up from under him by a drug czar, Kevin Sabet. How about some hardline conservatives to head up the FDIC and FinCEN, you know, financial security agency, right? How about more uh, uh, hardliners there in the banking and the finance industry willing to throw down some major fines and investigations into any of these banks that have been opening up checking accounts or providing services to the people that are Laundering money, committing federal conspiracies, and trafficking in illegal drugs, at least from the perspective of the feds. How about IRS and Consumer Protection Bureau when we're dealing with complaints and taxation issues? How about heads of the EPA? Already he's decided to appoint an EPA head who denies climate change exists. Throw in a guy in the ag department. Let's get let's get some people who will be ruling on industrial hemp be ruling on seed certifications, be ruling on pollution and and other mandates. How about all of the U.S. attorneys? Now, people have said to me, they say, well, Russ, you know, the the people serve at the pleasure of the president. If Trump states rights, he can, you know, give the directive down to these people that, hey, that's not what we want you doing. Oh, really? Oh, really? Like, President Obama, who said we won't spend precious federal resources raiding the medical marijuana dispensaries in the state where it's legal. And yet somehow that directive didn't trickle down to Melinda Hogg, didn't trickle down to Ormsby, didn't trickle down to these people in the districts in Washington that prosecuted the Kettle Falls Five. Folks, you think Donald Trump is going to be hands on? Making directives to all the people he's put in charge? (laughs) Okay. The most terrifying thing, of course, that I think of is who's going to take that ninth Supreme Court spot, the one that uh, Merrick Garland is supposed to be in. 
How about Ginsburg, Kennedy, and Souter all pushing 80 or in their 80s who might die or retire? These are the people that will ultimately decide all of the challenges to legalization, all of the challenges to the marijuana industry. Remember Kansas and Oklahoma suing Colorado? And the court just decided not to hear that suit. Don't bet on that again if there's a 7-2 Donald Trump-packed Supreme Court deciding whether or not to hear that. And on this on this states' rights issue, the, the one that people keep coming back to me, oh, these states' rights, they'll, they'll support states' rights. Use some imagination. I, I got a pretty big imagination, and I, I thought of how could you totally screw over the marijuana industry and marijuana consumers and yet still say that you're supporting states rights. My imagination went like this, that you'd have the attorney general stand up there and say, states may be the laboratories of democracy, but we're going to ensure the experiment stays in the Petri dish. Colorado and California may have legalized marijuana, but Kansas and Arizona have not. The citizens of those states deserve their state's rights to keep dangerous drugs illegal. Yeah, we could you could say states rights for Colorado and California and Kansas and Arizona are going to say, hey, we have our state's rights, too. And we're being flooded by these nearby states infringing on our state's rights. So imagine imagine the head of the DEA comes out and talks about Operation Petri Dish. Our response to these states that have chosen to allow marijuana legalization. We've teamed up with Homeland Security to create a new series of border checkpoints along Idaho, Nevada, and California's eastern borders, Maine's southern border, and surrounding Colorado and Massachusetts. These will be staffed by DEA personnel that are no longer needed for investigation and raids in the West. And these checkpoints will act much like California's fruit and vegetable checkpoints. Folks, I drive down I-5 all the time. You ever, you, when you drive into California, about four miles across the border, they have these, it's like a toll booth, but you got to go through it. And, and an ag officer asks if you've got any fruit and vegetables with you. Seriously, like they're not looking for weed. They're looking for bananas and apples and shit. <laughs> they're looking to see whether or not you're transporting in fruit flies and all sorts of harmful things. It's really no big deal. It's just a question and answer and you're through. But imagine that sort of situation. They've got all these DEA agents on the payroll. They got to do something with them. Why not sit them in a shack on California's eastern border, Idaho western border, waiting for people to come across the freeways and the highways and stop their car and see if it smells like weed. And oh, you're going to have all those drug sniffing dogs too. all the drug sniffing dogs that get uh, retired. Imagine the DEA throwing some burn justice assistance grants at these departments to purchase their drug sniffing dogs to use them at these checkpoints. Imagine that. I can. And they could easily say, hey, we're not interfering. We're not stopping California from having its legal weed. We're just stopping California's legal weed from making it into Arizona. That would be states' rights, wouldn't it? All right, stay tuned. When we come back, we'll have time for a radical rant dedicated to the memory of Chijioki Stephen Obioha when we return.
This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Growing green to generate more green. Talking with multi-cup award winner Maya Elizabeth. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. I've always followed Whoopi, and I think she's fantastic. I've followed her advocacy over the years. Tell me a little bit how you think partnering with a mainstream, high-profile figure actually benefits the cannabis community as a whole. I have infinite respect for Whoopi Goldberg. I wouldn't just partner with any into that kind of thing. I'm into cannabis medicine, and I'm into making quality products that people can find relief from. So to hear that her vision was actually the same, it's been beyond a dream to manifest. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show. Annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer. Or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Friday in Singapore, a soccer player was hanged by the neck until dead because he was in possession of almost 92 ounces of marijuana. That's why I support marijuana legalization, period. When Ohio's issue three polarized the marijuana reform community last year, I was one of the few national reform voices, not just meekly offering half-hearted support, but I was out there cheerleading loudly for its passage. To be fair, my opponents had a solid point. Writing 10 investors into the state constitution to be the sole landowners where legal commercial cultivation could be licensed was a stunning exercise in regulatory capture that would make the 19th century robber barons proud. Issue 3's loss of more than 2 to 1 was no surprise to me, but it depressed me nonetheless. Because I'm not in this to save state budgets with marijuana tax revenue. I'm not in this to make pot growers rich. 
I'm in this to keep people out of cages for weed. Period. Chijioki Stephen Obioha is a Nigerian who graduated from Benin University with a degree in industrial chemistry. He traveled to Singapore for a tryout with a soccer club there. Singapore has some of the most draconian drug laws in the world, including capital punishment. Obioha traveled to Singapore in 2005 and was caught with 92 ounces of weed in 2007. Singaporean law says that cannabis possession over 15 grams is per se evidence of drug trafficking. The prosecutor doesn't have to prove Obioha's guilt. Obioha must prove his innocence. Amnesty International called for the halting of Obioha's execution, saying, quote, By executing people for drug-related offenses which do not meet the threshold of most serious crimes, Singapore is violating international law, end quote. Indeed, the United Nations Human Rights Office for Southeast Asia noted that, quote, under international law, the death penalty may only be used for the most serious crimes, which has been interpreted to mean only crimes involving intentional killing. Drug-related offenses do not fall under the threshold of most serious crimes. End quote. Obioha was sentenced to death in 2008, making his eight years on death row one of the longest such delays in Singaporean history. Singapore anti-death penalty campaign member M. Ravi stated that Obioha, quote, has faced unprecedented mental anguish, end quote. Ravi pointed out another Singaporean death penalty case where a, quote, delay of five years and six months, which had elapsed since an accused conviction amounted to cruel and unusual punishment and breached his constitutional right not to be deprived of life, end quote. Throughout his entire nine-year ordeal, Obioha has maintained his innocence. In 2010, his appeal was rejected, but in 2013, Singapore changed its death penalty laws, which opened the opportunity for Obioha to apply for resentencing. He rejected the opportunity for a life imprisonment for fear that doing so was tantamount to an admission of guilt. Obioha's brother explains what a shock this ordeal has been for the family back in Nigeria, saying, quote, A whole part of the family has been missing since that date in 2007. I have always been in constant contact with him since his stay in prison, and he has always kept to his stance of innocence. A lot of both financial and physical effort has been made by our family toward his defense in previous years, but due to a lack of funds and restricted access to Singapore, it was difficult to carry on with his desire toward a defense lawyer. My brother deserves to live. His life is precious to us. End quote. Well, his life is no longer. He was executed Friday in Singapore. Now, what does that have to do with state legalization initiatives in the United States? Everything. There are too many people here, especially out here on the West Coast, who get caught up in this green rush thinking of who's going to get rich from legalization, who's going to lose business from legalization, and how will legalization affect medical marijuana? Well, to me, 
They sound like soldiers in a foxhole complaining that storming the muddy hill may get their uniforms dirty. This isn't just a war on drugs we're fighting, people. This is a world war on drugs we're fighting. Every battle we fight is just one small tactic in a larger theater of war. Poland isn't freed until we establish a beachhead on Normandy, and Japan isn't defeated until we take a whole bunch of Pacific Islands. Likewise, Texas doesn't get legalization until California does, and Singapore doesn't stop executing marijuana traffickers until the United States busts the international drug control treaties. Chijioki Stephen Obioha hangs dead from a rope because our longest-serving drug czar, Harry J. Anslinger, began scaring the world about cannabis in the 1930s. This blood is on our hands. By 1952, Anslinger shepherded the Boggs Act through the U.S. Congress, establishing mandatory minimum possession sentences of 2 to 10 years for marijuana. Singapore's version was the Dangerous Drugs Act of 1952, which established mandatory minimum sentences of 3 to 5 years for marijuana possession. Yes, that's right. In 1952, the United States had a more harsh mandatory minimum sentence for marijuana than Singapore did. But to Anslinger's dismay, people increasingly kept using marijuana. So he got the rest of the world to sign on to the U.N. Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs of 1961. That was later amended by the Convention on Psychotropic Substances of 1971, and that led Singapore to pass their Misuse of Drugs Act of 1973. That's the act under which Obioha was sentenced to die. Now, under that act, under the Misuse of Drugs Act of 1973 in Singapore, that possession of a mere 15 grams of marijuana in Singapore means you're presumed to be a drug trafficker, guilty until proven innocent. And for that 15 grams, half an ounce, people, for that 15 grams, you will earn a punishment ranging from up to 24 strokes of caning. Now, you know caning, right? They take the rattan cane and whack your ass with it. And we're not talking swats on the butt from the principal. We're talking rip the flesh off your buttocks, leaving big red open welts type of caning. 24 swats with that. That's the minimum for a half ounce. All the way up to life imprisonment. Life for half an ounce, people. And as Obioha learned... At 500 grams, it becomes an automatic death sentence. 500 grams, automatic death sentence. The death of Chijioki Stephen Obioha and the deaths of 100,000 people in the Mexican drug war and the deaths of hundreds, thousands of people, mostly young, mostly black, shot in America by cops or by rival drug dealers or by cartels. All of these deaths are on us, the United States, for starting this world war on drugs. It's our obligation and our duty to end this war by any means necessary, even if Nick Lachey might get rich on it. And speaking of the death penalty for weed, don't cast a Spursions 
on Singapore. Look down your nose at Singapore for being so barbaric as to execute people for marijuana, because right here in the United States, we have a death penalty for marijuana. I know you're stunned, right? We have a death penalty for marijuana in the United States under federal law. Now, it's never been used. And it's a pretty high bar to clear. You got to have a continuing criminal enterprise. It's got to be more than something like 60,000 kilograms or $2 million a year or 20 million, something like that. It's a, it's a huge, huge number to clear. I mean, you got to be the Pablo Escobar of weed. But guess what? Folks in the green rush right now, folks that are running these warehouse grows in Colorado and in Washington state and Oregon could easily clear that bar. There are people right now in America legally doing business under state law who under federal law are guilty of continuing criminal enterprises and conspiracies that could theoretically earn them the death penalty. Now, there are constitutional scholars who say that this statute in the in the controlled substances act that mandates a death penalty for such huge kingpin type operations would probably be found unconstitutional probably is not something i would like to stake my life on or would anybody in the green rush so consider if this trump administration if an attorney general jeff sessions wanted to bring the hammer down if they did want to put a chilling effect across the entire industry. Can you imagine bringing some of these people up on the RICO conspiracy charges, bringing up on the death penalty charges that are still within federal law? I don't think they're going to. I, I, I would want to predict that. I think the backlash would be too great. It would, like, they'd, that'd be big overreach, right? It would do us more good than them. But do you want to bet on that? Do you, do you want to... Do you want to, like, risk lives over that? Would it be declared unconstitutional? I don't know, by a 7-2 Trump court? I don't know. Nobody knows. But this is why we continue to fight and why, for me, you got to come up with a really, really big deal breaker for me to oppose legalization because I know that every battle we fight, every time we go to the ballot box, is a battle we're fighting to try to end this war globally. And I'm afraid too many people don't take a big enough look at what's going on and don't recognize that marijuana is half of the entire drug war. Half of the arrests made are for marijuana. Without our numbers... There's not enough profit in continuing to prosecute the drug war. And these folks that think that it's all over, that we're in a post-prohibition era and Republicans are just going to fall in love with this money and they're just going to accept it. I think you're underestimating the power of prejudice and racism and the hatred people have for marijuana users. Have you been to America? We'll talk about it more here coming up in hour two. We'll take your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. 
The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tope. I inhale uh, frequently. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about tope on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard. Have a ball. Live from beautiful Potland, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls, live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is hour two, time for Toker Talk Radio, and my goodness, i got to record a new intro. <laughs> I've already had to record a new intro for a while. The phone number is new. We don't have that 971 number anymore. If you're interested in uh, chatting, our number now is much easier. You can dial us at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's our new number, 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. That spells LEGAL-MJ. I told that to somebody this weekend. They said, how'd you get that number? You got that number? Oh, my God. It's a Google Voice number. You can you can find some pretty cool stuff on Google Voice. Check it out. Yeah, this weekend I was in Ashland, Oregon. What a wonderful place. Ashland is like the first town you get to when you're going north on I-5 from from California. It's smack dab in the middle of the Rogue Valley, part of the uh, uh, the northern annex to the Emerald Triangle. It's got the same kind of weather and culture and entrenched growing industry as the Emerald Triangle does, but you don't have to deal with all the California bullshit. So it's a wonderful place. Ashland is just gorgeous. Had the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference, and I got some bad news for you. I, I I wanted to play for you some of the stuff from the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Got this great uh, long-form interview with Tommy Chong. Uh, got a great keynote from uh, uh, from Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. The head of Oregon's Liquor Control Commission, 
Rob Patridge spoke to the crowd, had some great question and answer. I wanted to play that stuff for you for the next three days this Thanksgiving week because I'm not going to do a show on Thanksgiving or Friday. Unfortunately, as I was uh, doing the production on it today, I discovered that whoever was running sound on this gig was sending the background music through the press patch. So when he'd turn it down, like, you know, he'd have all sorts of background music. When he turned that down on the main PA, it was not turning down on the press pass patch. So everything I have recorded has this soundtrack of music over the top of it. You can't hear a damn thing. So my apologies. I wanted to bring you some great audio from this weekend. And now I got nothing. Although I can't say I got nothing. I got some great memories. Uh, Friday night we went out, uh, had dinner at a place called the Black Sheep, kind of a British-themed pub, shut that place down, and then went across the street. And Ashland, Oregon is like hippie central, man. It's just, you know, white kids with dreadlocks and, and you know, sandals and, and drums, right? So we headed to this bar, and they got this band playing. It's kind of a band. It's like They got a guitar player and a drummer. Well, not even really a drummer. It was more kind of a loop machine and then a bunch of people with bongos and hand drums playing and they're all kind of playing that trancey sort of hippie stuff right and it was cool and i come walking in and understand that i just come from the conference so i'm in my full like silver suit dress shoes kind of like standing out like darth vader at a clan rally right just way out of place but i noticed up on stage they had a bass sitting there no one was playing it so i tipped the band uh, gave him a 20 and asked if I could get up on stage. And for the rest of that night, baked out of my face because it was Ashland and we were smoking a lot of pot. I got to play bass with the hippie jam band for like the rest of the set. And God, what a great memory that is. I really had a good time. And it was it was fun to watch them kind of shocked that Mr. Businessman in a suit could get up and just wail on bass. <laughs> so we had fun with that. Uh, no recordings, though. So... My apologies for that as well. Hey, when we come back, we'll talk more about politics, more about the weed industry, and what I've been up to since we last talked. You're listening to Toker Talk Radio on the Russ Bellville Show, live on CannabisRadio.com from Delta 9 Studios. We'll talk about that, too. This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor or are you smoking sun-grown? 
What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the king, right? You just have, you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. Nine after the hour, coming to you live from Delta 9 Studios in beautiful southeast Potland, Oregon. That's right. We got a new home. That's why it was off last week. I, I know a lot of you. I've been getting uh, tweets and emails and messenger requests. People going, oh, my God, Russ. What happened, man? Are you still out there? Oh, we haven't had a new podcast since October. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I appreciate that, folks. I really do. I, uh, I, I don't mean to leave you hanging. But here's what happened. So, like, we had election night. It was Tuesday. And then, like, Wednesday, there was no way I was going to do a show. Because it was like we were we were pretty worn out. And uh, instead, me and the cannabis radio crew, uh, Coleco and uh, a bunch of the others, uh, went to Long Beach. Yeah, took a little drive to Long Beach and had a good time there and hung out and ate and drank. And it was good. And then the next day, I now I remember I drove down. I drove down. I didn't fly. Uh, I had gotten word on election night. This is if for those of you who watched my election night coverage, uh, understand I was doing that entire coverage having just heard an hour before going on the air that my father had to be rushed to the hospital with pneumonia. Now, my dad's 74 and uh, has had some health scares and not the healthiest guy in the world as far as, you know, exercise, eating right, all that kind of stuff. So that whole election night. That whole election, I did that whole night trying not to think about my 74-year-old dad having pneumonia being in the hospital, right? So the next day after we did the Long Beach thing, it was time for me to drive back, and I was going to drive back to Idaho to visit my dad in the hospital. So I leave and drive up uh, uh, through, up, uh, was it, uh, Barstow, and then up to Las Vegas, right? Get outside of Las Vegas and... I'm just exhausted. I can't drive anymore. So I pull off the side of the road, catch a couple Z's, get up an hour or two later, start driving again. It's like three in the morning or some way ridiculous hour. And I'm just kind of out of it. And I get to this junction and I took the wrong turn. <laughs> I was supposed to turn one way that takes you up through Carson City and then up through up until Boise through 
western Nevada. I took the wrong way and ended up going through eastern Nevada up through Ely and up into Twin Falls. <laughs> that added about another two hours, three hours to my drive. But I did it, made it all the way to Twin Falls and across Twin Falls to Boise. My dad was fine. Dad's, dad's fine. He, he has some sort of acid reflux and it was causing, uh, he was like inhaling his own bile at night and that was what caused the pneumonia. They give him some, uh, acid reflux medicine. He's fine. In fact, in fact, he was back home by the time I made it to, to Boise. <laughs> so I didn't really need to drive there, but I did. So I drive back. Uh, that, that took up all my Thursday and most of my Friday. And so I uh, like, all right, well, I'll do shows the next week, but. That was last week. Uh, last week, we had to move. Uh, we've got this new house here. Uh, myself and uh, Jeff from WeedNews.co, one of my uh, partners at WeedNews.co, and uh, Lori, who is an activist with Southern Oregon Normal, or was with Southern Oregon Normal, but now she runs the uh, some medical marijuana clinics up here, Southern Oregon Alternative Medicine. And so we now have this house full of activists, and we're calling it Delta 9 House. So we are at Delta nine house and this here will be Delta nine studios. So I got to fix the intro now so that we're live from Delta nine studios and that our phone number is six, five, Oh legal MJ. So that's why I've been gone too much from the election and then too much, too busy having to move. And then at the end of last week, I had to make my way on a Greyhound bus down to Ashland. My first time ever on a Greyhound bus, by the way. Uh, the bus itself is nice. <laughs> Passengers leave a lot to be desired, but the bus was nice. Let's just put it that way. But I thank you all, all of you who missed me and were uh, sending out those uh, well wishes and all of that. Thank you so much. And I should let you know that the show is going to be kind of spotty for the next few weeks as well because of all of the holidays coming up. This week, we're only going to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because, of course, Thursday, Friday is Thanksgiving. The following week, I have it scheduled for all five days, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do all five days because Portland Weed Week is happening November 28th through December 3rd. And Portland Weed Week, I'm emceeing. I think I'm emceeing on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so I, I might have to take another Thursday, Friday off. So this week might be three three days. Next week might be three days. And then, oh, you're going to hate me now. You're just going to hate me. I'm going to be off for two weeks. <laughs> I'm going to be off for the first two weeks of December. No, you can't do it. Yes, I have to do it. The next uh, December 5th, that week of December 5th and the week of December 12th, I won't be on at all because I'm going on vacation. I am headed to Negril, Jamaica for vacation. And this is the first vacation vacation that I've had in a decade or more. I have to say vacation vacation because if you if you follow me, if you're out there following me, Radical Russ, on any of my social media, you know that I travel a lot. Oh, I forgot. I also did Columbia, Missouri. Jeez, I got to tell you about Columbia, Missouri. Uh, we'll come back to that. <laughs> but I travel a lot. And But the thing is, anywhere I'm traveling, I'm working. Like, I can tell you all about the inside of the Marriott Hotel in X City or what, whatever, but I don't get a lot of chance to actually do stuff, right? I'm always emceeing or speaking or reporting or writing or whatever. So this will be my first actual vacation in a long time. 
I've been saving up for it all year too. It's been it's been hard to hard to afford, but managed to get it done. So I'll be gone first two weeks of December. Then week of December nineteenth. That'll be a full week. We'll have a full week, middle of December. And that'll be our kind of uh, look back at 2016 week, you know, the best of what were the funniest uh, reefer madness stories, what were the funniest, you know, what was the biggest drug war data mining, that kind of stuff. Retrospective shows coming up in uh, the week of December 19th. The following week is Christmas week. And of course, we won't do anything on the Monday, but we'll do the other four days. And then the following week is New Year's week and we won't do anything on New Year's Day because we always take federal holidays off. Then we'll do a full week and then we'll have another week. Monday the 16th, where we won't be on, because that's Martin Luther King Day. And like I said, we take off the federal holidays. All of this is available through my calendar. Unfortunately, I don't have the calendar up right now, but that's another project we're getting into is getting the Radical Russ website back up so that you can just look on the calendar and see whether or not I'm going to be somewhere. I've also got a lot of great guests that we'll be adding on to the show. Um, I mentioned being in Ashland, Oregon. And in Ashland, I got to run into these activists and, and forgive me for forgetting their names. But, uh, uh, the guy, I wish I could remember his name, damn it, uh, signs for his girlfriend who is deaf. In fact, he learned signing so he could date this woman and now they're married, right? And so whenever I see him at these, at these gigs, he's standing in front and he's signing for his wife and her friends who are hearing impaired. And so while we were there, it was one of the, the coolest things I have ever seen in my life. Okay, so so Tommy Chong is doing a special sit-down interview with Steve Bloom. And it's like an hour and a half thing. They go over Tommy's career. They go over his before Cheech and Chong days as a musician. They go over his prison time. They go over his latest stuff with Chong Bongs and stuff. But throughout the presentation, there's clips. Like they'll play a clip of Tommy from you know Up in Smoke, a clip of Tommy from that '70s show, right? And then of course they play a clip from the Cheech and Chong album days, and the clip they pick, of course, is who is it? It's me, Dave. Open up, man. I got the stuff. Who is it? It's me. It's me, Dave. Open up. I got the stuff. So they're doing the Dave thing, right? The Dave. Uh, 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 skit is playing over the PA. Tommy's up on stage with his head buried in his arms, laughing. And I'm thinking, like, I've heard Dave like a billion times. How many times must Tommy Chong have heard Dave? And it's still cracking him up. <laughs> He's just dying. He's just laughing like crazy, right? So that's happening. I'm looking at Tommy Chong cracking up to Dave, and then I look to the left to Tommy Chong. And there's the guy, again, whose name I forgot, and I'm sorry I forgot, but there's the guy signing it. The Dave thing being done in sign language was fascinating. It was interesting because as he was signing it, he was also kind of doing the characters and also like signing in whisper. Like, and I don't, I don't know sign language. But you could you could just tell watching him which part you know he was whispering because the signs would get kind of smaller and his face would get kind of you know a little tighter to the signs. It was it was amazing. I loved it. I I would I wished I had filmed that. And I think somebody has a copy of that. But but seeing the Dave skit done in sign language, I thought was fascinating. 
The other thing that fascinated me about it was thinking about it is like, does the Dave skit go over with deaf people? Right? Cause like the whole point of the joke is that Cheech is going to get found because he's being too loud and the cops are going to get him. Does that joke work in the deaf community as well? <laughs> I, I, I didn't ask and I don't know, but, uh, something to think about. There's a good time out there in Ashland, Oregon Marijuana Business Conference, and uh, we'll bring you some more from that right after the break. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. But that sound means that it's 420, my first 420 break from Delta 9 Studios. I think that means I better second make a second look at how safe this place actually is time for a safety briefing everyone come back and we'll talk some more i'll tell you about columbia missouri when we return we have your smoking section right here this is the cannabis radio network Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 43, 23 after the hour. Not 43, 23. Man, that's some good weed. Hope you've got some good weed, too. And if you don't, we're working on it. We're going to get that weed out to you as soon as we can. Legalized. Got a piece I wrote up for weednews.co today. You can check it out, weednews.co. What is the difference between an indica and a sativa? 
and uh, did a lot of research on this. And it's it's interesting because, you know, we tend to think of uh, Indica is Indica couch, right? You can have an Indica. It's going to give you couch lock. And if you have a Steva, it's going to give you a heady kind of high, kind of a buzzy kind of a feel, right? That's that's the generally accepted wisdom, right? Well, beginning to learn that it's not as simple as that. And it's not nearly that easily delineated. Now, morphologically speaking, there's some truth to it. Like sativas are going to be tall and thin and reedy and kind of have thin leaves and stuff. And sativa or indicas are going to be bushier and lower to the ground and thicker leaves, right? This has to do with the land races that they drive from, right? You got your, your indicas coming up in Afghanistan, Hindu Kush, that area where we, uh, where they had to deal with a more dry kind of climate, right? And then you got your sativas, your, your Thai, your Panama red, that kind of stuff coming up in more jungle-like conditions, you know, more humidity, more heat. And they needed the, the thin leaves to respirate better, right? That, that, that's the, the origin of that kind of stuff. But what they're finding out, of course, is that land race strains are rare, real hard to come by. And most of the strains we're dealing with these days are hybrids. But even with hybrids, we'll say sativa dominant, we'll say indica dominant, and so on. But what they're finding is that the indica and the sativa itself isn't so much the issue. First of all, THC is THC, right? THC in a sativa is the same molecule as THC in an indica. So what makes the difference? Well, it's the other stuff. It's that entourage effect we talk about. It's the other cannabinoids. CBD can make a difference. CBD is, uh, it, it, it moderates the psychoactive effect of THC. So something with a higher CBD in it is not going to be as heady. It's not going to be as buzzy. The other thing they're finding is the terpene called myrcene, M-Y-R-C-E-N-E, myrcene. Now, this is a, a terpene that we also find in hops. And myrcene seems to have this effect that when there's more than 0.4% of the myrcene content, it flips what THC does. Yeah, like the plants that have low levels of myrcene THC gives you that buzzy, heady kind of effect. But if you get like a 1% myrcene in there, that same THC now has more of an indica effect, more of a couch lock type of effect to the point where one of the researchers on this was writing about how in the future we need to start monitoring myrcene content. You know, just getting a a strain at the store that says 24% THC isn't going to tell you whether that 24% THC is going to make you heady buzzy or is it that 24% THC going to make you couch locked? But 24% THC plus 2% myrcene, hello couch. So it's, it's, it was fascinating to me reading this. And they also did, uh, there was a study that was published last year uh, that did some genetic testing on various strains and found, of course, that the naming of the strains is fairly haphazard and not very accurate. They even found like a, a, a Hindu Kush that's supposed to be, you know, this heavy duty uh, uh, indica testing the same as this other thing that was a heavy duty sativa. Anyway, it's, it's fascinating stuff. You can find it up at weednews.co uh, if you want to read that, pass that along. And the other thing uh, we've got going here is uh, I was just recently in Columbia, Missouri. This was last weekend 
for the Columbia or for the Missouri Cannabis Conference. Now, this is one of the regional conferences that get put on by grassroots activists across the country. They do these in Texas. They do them in the South, like Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina area. Uh, they've got one. I think Massachusetts has one that does a regional. There need to be more of them. I'd like to see more of these regional conferences. But at this uh, Missouri conference, first of all, I, I flew into Kansas City. They've got a great new downtown redevelopment in Kansas City. They get, they've added a streetcar line that's absolutely free. I managed to get down uh, and have myself some uh, barbecue, had some burn ends. When I travel, one of my things is I've got to eat the food that is unique to that area. So when you're in Kansas City, you got to eat barbecue. But then we made our way to Columbia and had that conference. I was the keynote speaker uh, for the conference, and, and it was really, uh, really a pleasure to be able to do that. And I'm going to check out on my recorder because I do believe I've got that one recorded. And uh, we'll see if we can get that played for you sometime. But while I was there, while I was there, I got to meet a fascinating gentleman. Looked a lot like me, except better looking in better shape. <laughs> uh, but what I mean by that is, you know, tall, bald, white guy. And so I meet this tall, bald, white guy comes up to me and says that he's a colonel or he was a colonel in the U.S. Army. And he served in Afghanistan. And he was telling me that while he was in Afghanistan, he discovered my podcast. And he said he became a big fan of the podcast and listened to it daily. And from my podcast, he got educated about hemp, about marijuana, about policy and so forth. And part of what his job was when he was there in Afghanistan, as he was an advisor to the, the flag officers out there, the generals that were in charge of revitalizing and repairing the Afghan economy. We bombed the hell out of this country. Let's see if we can set it back up again. So this colonel tells me, he says, so I, so I don't know what to do, uh, you know, because Afghanistan is kind of lacking. He said, Afghanistan, by my estimation, has three things to power its economy. Minerals. Well, the problem with minerals is that's mining and that's infrastructure. And this is a war torn country and not much payoff at first and a lot of labor and it'd be tough to start. So he says, all right, well, the next thing they got is opium. Right? They can make a lot of opium. Well, that's problematic. We really don't need to be producing more opium when we're currently going over going through a worldwide opioid epidemic. And then he tells me the third thing that he thought of was cannabis, hemp. He said it's all over Afghanistan. Hell, it's it's where cannabis came from, right? <laughs> Afghan Kush. Uh, so he said, you know, listening to the podcast and recognizing the economic viability and opportunity in industrial hemp could be a way out for the war-torn, ravaged country of Afghanistan to begin a new hemp economy. So he says he does his research, he figures out, you know, the 50,000 uses of hemp and gets the economic projections and all that, takes it to the flag officers, and they laughed him out of the room. He said, I'd never been so embarrassed in my life. I was laughed out of the room for the remainder of my military career. I would get snide jokes about stoner this and pot that. 
This guy is a full bird colonel. This guy speaks five languages. He's told me he, he, he went to the, you know, army defense language school. He was a, you know, in, intelligence guy. Speaks five different languages. But because he suggested an industrial hemp economy to some generals in Afghanistan, that was enough. That was enough to tar and feather him. Now, he still managed to have an honorable career and, and wasn't forced out or anything. But it goes to show how deeply ingrained this prejudice is and how, how far it can go and how even just innocuously suggesting a hemp economy is enough for some of the mainstream to just completely reject you. It's the part of this Trump win that's got me so concerned. I, I was rereading the chat room. And by the way, if you're listening and, and you don't realize, we do have a chat room here, live chat that you can get involved. Uh, check out our, uh, our Spreaker.com uh, player for that. But I was rereading the chat room and, and there was a few people talking about how my predictions are overblown and this is what anti-legalizers would say and it's not going to be that bad and Trump's all states' rights and so forth. And I hope so. I really hope I'm wrong. But I've been saying there's going to be a backlash coming. So many people didn't see Trump actually winning this thing. So many people didn't understand the idea of a backlash, that there was this white vote out there aching to have its say and successfully did so. Now, it may be. It may be the plaintiff wails of the brontosaurus as it sinks into the tar pits. But it ain't sunk into the tar pits yet. That brontosaurus still got a long tail to be flipping around and knocking shit over with. Likewise, I think this next four years could be that death spasm of prohibition. Now, now maybe, maybe the death spasm of prohibition is a good thing. Maybe these guys with control of all the levers of power, the courts, everything they need, maybe they overreach. Maybe they underestimate what the support is out there. Maybe they don't see 60 and 70% votes for medical marijuana and 80% public support for medical marijuana and 60% support for legalization. Maybe they don't see that. Maybe they think that's fake. Maybe, maybe they get the pressure from oil, timber, gas, all these pharmaceutical industries, rehab industry, maybe, maybe they make a push. Maybe they start to believe that that 60% is a function of it being legal and, and people not getting busted for it. Maybe they think with some raids and shutting down some of the commerce that people's support will drop. Maybe now that they control a lot more of the levers of power, more of this anti-pop propaganda comes out. These six-point IQ drops and big marijuana taking over and billboards of pot leaves out here in Portland and so forth. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I think a backlash is coming. And I think there's a lot of people out there that still hate pot. And I think that the support for prohibition is more energized than the support for legalization. And I mean, outside of us, of course, right? You and me, 
right? We, we pot smokers, we're pretty damn energized at keeping our ass out of jail. We're pretty damn energized about being able to shop at a pot shop. We're, yes, we are active and vocal, but we are 8% of the population. And, and the majorities that are making up the 60% that are voting for legalization, are they that committed to it? Are they that wed to the idea? Is that such a big deal to them? I don't think it is. I think it's one of those things where, yeah, I don't smoke pot, but it's stupid to lock up pot smokers. And then maybe that's as far as they think of it. And maybe pressured by propaganda and seeing raids and arrests might flip some of their minds. I don't know. We will see. We will see. I, maybe it's good. Maybe they overreach over this next four years, and that means the four years after that we move forward faster. Maybe had Clinton been in there and been like Obama, things would have gone slower over the next four years. I, hard to tell, but we shall know soon enough. We're going to take a break and try to be even safer when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. This is Dan Michaels from DanMichaelsAudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing, I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 38 after the hour here, live from Delta 9 Studios in beautiful southeast Potland, Oregon. Checking up on uh, some of my social media feeds and uh, good friend Elise McDonough out at High Times is uh, focusing on a controversy that happened this week at the event I didn't go to. While I was out in Columbia, Missouri last weekend and Ashland, Oregon this weekend, in between was the Las Vegas Marijuana Business Conference. 
and like 10,000 people attending this thing, the biggest marijuana conference in the world. And I wasn't there. <laughs> I, I, I don't even want to think about why I wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> I was just too busy, really. I was too busy and too, too much stuff going on. Uh, the cannabis radio crew was there, so I'll talk to them and see how things went. But apparently as a big success, aside from something that is being called Meatgate, I'm a little tired of gate being the suffix for all controversies, but okay. Elise McDonough writes this up about offensive meat gate incident outrages cannabis activists. And what it was is a photo from the marijuana business conference at a private party that was held by Altai Brands, A-L-T-A-I Brands. And what it was is they have a model female in a bikini who has what is it what is it called chicoterie at uh, deli meats okay basically so so they've got this woman with uh pepperoni and salami and pastrami and all this other stuff draped over her body her arms her stomach her legs her breasts she's still got the bikini on though and of course next to her are the the rolls and the the you know, the sauces and stuff you'd put on it. But she was basically the serving platter for deli meats at a marijuana business conference. And uh, <laughs> cannabis uh, activists are not too happy about this. Um, a bunch of them are calling for a boycott of Altai, A-L-T-A-I, for what they say is literally treating a woman as a piece of meat or at least a serving tray. For pieces of meat, uh, Brandon Krenzler from here in Oregon uh, referred to it as serving dead flesh on live flesh. And there's people that aren't very happy about this because a lot of women that I work with, a lot of the women in the cannabis industry have for years lamented the sexism, the objectification that we find among some of the brands in the cannabis industry. It's a back and forth that goes on this because one side says, well, women should be able to do whatever women want to do. The other side says, yeah, but you're letting yourself being taken advantage of. You're being objectified. You're promoting sexism, rape culture, etc. And for some, it's problematic because the marijuana industry is poised to be the first industry that is female led, that is female dominated with more of our CEOs being female than almost any other industry out there. As for my opinions on this, I think there's I think there's time and place for sexism. It's <laughs> a terrible way to say it, Russ. Uh, what I'm trying to say is is that like there's some contexts in which the sexy aspect is expected or okay. Like if it's a if it's a party cup, right? We're talking about a, a festival. And we're talking about a DJ booth that's got, you know, 420 nurses or scantily clad women. That's a different level than putting a woman on a table and dressing her up in meat for people to eat off of. Right. I think there's a line that's been crossed there somehow. The other thing, of course, the ads that you'd always see for High Times and other cannabis magazines for the longest time, you'd see this ad of a woman naked, presumably with buds covering her bits. And that's always been called out, you know, the sexist, sexist, you know, the objectification and so forth. 
Debbie Goldsberry uh, called them out. And Debbie works uh, was longtime Berkeley Patients Group. Uh, she's with I forget who she's with now. But anyway, uh, Debbie Goldsberry tweeted out on this and her tweet was. I'm super disgusted to see a photo from the Las Vegas Marijuana Business Conference from the Altai Dixie Party. The photo shows a woman laid out on a table covered with slices of meat. She was the serving tray for a platter of cold cuts. This is incredibly disgusting in so many ways. Please help me send a message to them that this is not okay. Women of the industry will not stand for this, and we must protect ourselves from these creepy people who want to treat us like meat. Guess what? Boycott. Pull Altai from your dispensary shelves and demand an apology. Here is their contact info. Debbie got a response back. And the response from the company is the following. Good afternoon, Debbie. As a female cannabis leader myself and owner of Altai Brands social media agency, I wanted to share the following statement from them. Altai Brands sincerely regrets a poor decision we made during a private event in Las Vegas by having a professional model act as a physical server for charcuterie. It did not demonstrate the respect that we have for all women. <clears throat> we pride ourselves on representing California cannabis culture at its finest, and we are committed to maintaining a community that recognizes and values the inherent dignity of every person by fostering sensitivity, understanding, and mutual respect of our customers, employees, and partners. The team at Altai is dedicated to making sure that all future events meet our high standards that reflect the core values we live each and every day. Again, we would like to apologize to the community and hope to demonstrate our firm dedication to respectful treatment of all and to assure everyone this will never happen again. We will be reaching out to you personally via private message to discuss this serious matter personally. All right, so <laughs> that's the uh, that's the controversy going on right now with the brand and whether or not it will be boycotted. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this turns out. I think it's a little tasteless. Uh, I, you've seen this kind of thing before, too. Like I've seen it as like a sushi thing where they have sushi being served off of a woman's body. Wonder what your thoughts are. We'll check out the chat room. Uh, looking at some of the responses by the way uh welcome to some of the new chatters that we're seeing out there dan tiaras shonson and so forth thanks for being here we'll be here every weekday at 3 p.m pacific 5 p.m central 6 p.m eastern time you can also catch the podcast on demand at iHeartRadio, itunes stitcher and tune in also getting some of my content uploaded to the soundcloud you can check me out at soundcloud.com slash radical russ in fact i'm radical russ on everything look all around the social medias if it has a username i'm radical russ on it we're very excited about this future that uh is happening here even despite the election of Donald Trump. Let's try to imagine how good things can be. Because the worst possible outcome we could get, if you look at this from the federal state perspective, is the feds shutting down commerce. They have that power. They can shut down the pot shops, the commercial grows, the commercial processors, the delivery systems, all of that could be shut down. That's a part of the Commerce Clause. That's within their federal authority. What they cannot do 
is force states to punish people for pot. So what we've got as far as legal possession, what we've got as far as legal cultivation and legal processing, and for that matter, medical marijuana, none of those things can be affected by the feds no matter how hard they try. So the optimistic take on this and some of you in the chat room have been, have been bringing this on. In fact, uh, John Thomas just said it's the DC model, right? The grow and give model. You can have weed, you can grow weed, you can give it away, but nobody exchanges money over it. That could be the best result. The best worst scenario we might get is we all end up with the Washington DC model. But that I think is a possibility that they might want to pursue. Think about Kevin Sabet and his influence and how, who he's going to be talking to. Everything they try to fight against legal marijuana with right now has to do with big marijuana. Oh, it's big marijuana. It's a predatory corporation. It's a green rush. They only care about making addicts. They're going to addict our children. By God, what about the children? So if they were successful in eliminating big marijuana getting rid of stores and billboards and grows. But leaving us to be able to grow our own and smoke our own and give it away to each other. They'd see that as a victory. They'd love that. We killed big marijuana. We kept the price of marijuana high by keeping it underground. By keeping the price of marijuana high, we keep it out of the hands of kids. By keeping marijuana illegal, we still keep our cops and our DEA employed. So when someone says to me, well, Russ, I mean, the worst they could do is shut down commerce. I'm like, yeah, that's what they want to do. Shut down commerce. Well, the states will bitch. The states will bitch because the states are getting all this tax revenue. And it, But which states have gotten tax revenue so far? Washington, Oregon, and Colorado. Those states don't have enough power for their bitching to make much difference. Now, if California's market had already been rolling and had already bring, been bringing in tax revenue, it's a tougher fight. They're not up and running yet. Won't be till 2018. So wouldn't it be in the Trump administration's best interest if they really did want to shut down commerce to do so as quickly as possible before California gets online? You've already got the people in Massachusetts looking at shutting it down. Looking at allowing cities to automatically opt out. Looking at making it so the taxes are double what were proposed. I, I really, again, I said it earlier this hour, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm just, I've smoked too much pot and I'm just paranoid. I hope I'm just cynical and jaded. I hope I'm just getting too old. I'm creeping up on 50 and I just can't imagine the new perfect pot world that's on our way. But I've generally not gotten broke betting on shitty things happening. <laughs> I've generally done okay that way. Uh, you never go broke underestimating the intelligence of the American people, right? But we'll keep our eyes on it. We'll keep fighting. 
there's a lot of directions this could go. I don't know that anyone can make a super accurate prediction, given that we're talking about a President Trump who he himself doesn't even know what the hell he's doing. I don't think Trump can predict what he's going to do the next day. How can we predict what Trump's going to do the next day? Oh, my God. It's going to be an interesting four years. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up here from Delta 9 Studios in Southeast Potland. You're listening to the Rust Belleville Show's Toker Talk Radio live on CannabisRadio.com. We love each and every one of you, some of you more than others, but all of you at least a little. We'll be back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Uh, I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a stuff. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. We've got about five minutes left here in the hour, and I want to give a hat tip out to the folks at Reason.com. They have done an investigation. How Idaho's drug warriors stole hope from epileptic kids 
A reasoned investigation uncovers how cops, prosecutors, and lobbyists conspired to restrict a promising cannabis-derived seizure treatment. Eric Bohm has written this. It's online today at Reason.com. And it's a lengthy uh, treatise on this. It goes into the Bush Otter administration vetoing their CBD-only bill and how uh, Elisha Figueroa, who is the Idaho drug czar, conspired along with the Prosecuting Attorneys Association, the Idaho Chiefs of Police, the Fraternal Order of Police, and others to uh, oppose this. The big quote In one email to Otter's chief of staff, Figueroa notes that she'd been, quote, working tirelessly all session to oppose the bill. Figueroa wrote, quote, with no hesitation, I will tell you that the criminal element in this state will use this law to disguise their illegal drug activity. If Idaho is going to open the door, please allow me the opportunity to bring stakeholders together and do it correctly. So uh, Figueroa lobbied, uh, lobbied Butch Otter to get him to veto the CBD only bill. And he did it only governor out of 16 or 17 that have had this bill come before their desk. The only one to have vetoed it. The only one to have looked at epileptic kids having seizures and say, sorry, you can't have non psychoactive CBD oil. And for Elisha Figueroa, first of all, remember Figueroa is the chicken shit who bailed out of a marijuana debate against me. Back in January, the day of the debate. This woman thinks that a CBD oil law would be used by the criminal element to disguise their illegal drug activity. Really? First of all, this CBD oil law that they had didn't allow for cultivation. So it's not as there was no production. in it. It's not as if some illegal pot dealer could have a garage full of plants and get away with it by saying they're all Charlotte's Web. That was not a possibility. How exactly was a CBD oil law going to benefit the criminals who traffic in THC? That's the level of reefer madness going on in my home state, my birth state of Idaho. So check out this reason.com uh expose on this nice to see the spotlight shown on idaho insane insane this this was senate bill 1146 it would have been cbd oil with less than 0.3 percent you could only possess it if you had permission from a licensed physician the physicians could only recommend it if there was intractable seizures for kids and by intractable they mean Well, we tried everything else. We shoved every pharmaceutical down that kid's throat we could think of. Nothing helped. Hell, can even mean they tried electroshock therapy, could even mean that they tried brain surgery, and it didn't work. And then after all that, all right, we'll give them the non-psychoactive derivative of a plant that hasn't killed anyone in 7,000 years of recorded history. You know, just to be safe. We're going to make sure we don't give them any dope or anything. So I, I'll, I'll tweet this out. I'm going to tweet the link out on my uh, on my Radical Russ social media. I'll also put it here in the chat room. This is your homework, folks. There's your chat room homework for the day. Reason.com archives. Check that out.
Insane. Just insane, folks. Uh, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to CannabisRadio.com. And thanks for sticking with me, even after a prolonged break. I needed it, though. Had to move. We'll be back tomorrow with more news and views you can use for the cannabis community. The facts, the science, the reason, the logic you need to win the water cooler debates. I'm your host, Radical Russ Belville. Thanks for joining us again. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to earth.